This week's podcast sponsored by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the PC Perspective Podcast. We're at episode 724, I think. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. Okay. It is. Probably look at the show notes. It's sure. May 24, 2023. I'm Smash and Peak. It's the May 2-4, and I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. Josh Walrus. Brett Van Spurnberg, not Kent. Yeah, Kent was going to join us, but uh, Windows 11 is, you know, a horrible piece of You can help support PC Perspective at uh, patreon.com slash and Become a patron like Carl I, the it man. Actually, it was like the Carl. iter man. Iter man. I, I see it. I don't know. Is it it or it? Well, you it's know what? Capitalized. The best thing about Carl is his last name almost rhymes with vitamin. So we can go from there. Carl, you're a healthy, virile man. Healthy? Mm-hmm. Who gives us lots of money. <laughs> so that makes you even more virile. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Please consider us your virility statues. Um, I, or not. We don't want any pictures, though. No. Yes. Please. Do not send pictures or descriptive text. Yeah. Uh, no fanfic. Also, the- Mark P. The Wiz. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Not only does he have distance, but he's got a good arc. I knew we were going with that. Yeah. And oh, yeah. big bronzed. What is bronzed? Is that German? I don't know, but I really liked it, so I threw the word big in front of it. It just seemed appropriate. Oh, okay. Hmm. Jeremy has copied the word in our shared document, <laughs> and I assume he's now looking up the definition. Ah, it's, it is what I thought it was. Is it? Oh, uh, let me find. Let me see this. Can we show uh, it's, a I'm of it not up to my uh, what it is that moose do moose do when they're in the rut, but oh, I boy. am actually right okay. that that is indeed what. Oh, okay. Large That's what that is. Ovines. Huh. That's okay. what you call that. So putting big mm. in front of it was very appropriate, Brett. Very nice. It, it was nice. Uh, Laramie, Wyoming. Josh, please me. save us with uh, your burger. This is segment. the. This one is the, uh, what's the bird? Is that right? The bird and the bees? Yeah, this the This is a slightly different thing than what I usually have. It's a, it's fried chicken breast. Smashed between two biscuits, two halves of a biscuit. So that's a biscuit that you see there for the bun. Ooh. I probably should have turned it over and you would have figured it out a bit better. Because that's the it's bottom. weird looking. It's weird. But uh, that fried chicken. it's been on a grill. It has, it has. It's a little smoky to it, uh, but the uh, it's the sauce. The sauce is where it's at. It's a mixture of uh, honey and a sriracha, and uh, rolled around in there, and the combination of the fried chicken, freshly fried chicken, and honey sriracha sauce. I mean, the whole thing just kind of melts in your mouth. It's a fabulous experience. The tater tots were on point. I, I can't complain. And you know, interestingly enough. Someone who listens to our podcast actually came through Laramie and stole it on you. Popper. He had wow. the popper. He, he visited Born in the Barn and he had the popper. I, I, I'm hoping that, that uh, Sebastian, there you go. There you go. Jake Fellows, podcast listener. 
He went to Born and Barn. He got the popper. It was nice. great. He'll be back. Look at those tots. It does look better in the yeah. restaurant. It, he it? took a nice photo. It's amazing what modern cell phones can do. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, no, but uh, he he made an excellent choice with the popper. Let's make everyone really happy now. Yeah, let's. Or well, really upset, well, or we both. Can make them happy. We can give people what they want. I want to see a thirty-second clip of your review right now. <laughs> I, I was thinking about part. using it as B-roll. I mean, I I didn't work that hard on it. I worked probably you know four to six hours. I and want to see the comments turned into time well spent video. <clears throat> that was so poorly received that even though it had only around two hundred fifty views, I felt like I was just swimming in extremely negative comments. Not just like, oh, this is a stupid product. I hate this. It was uh, basically that uh, we had no integrity. Was it toxic? It was was it a toxic. toxic environment? I decided, you know what? I'm not going to make any, we're not going to make any money off of this video. The Hey, every comment is a view. Sure, but it wasn't worth it to me. It was. Uh, this is not well, worth just selling out. So much to, negativity to stir so up negativity for, for a few dollars in YouTube revenue. Mm. When have you considered not reading the comments? Not really, because the whole point of the video was: here's the product. I'm not going to tell you whether oh. I think it's good or not. I'm just going to tell you what the specs are. I show the specs <laughs> on the screen. And You're not allowed to do that. I pointed out that the memory bandwidth was pretty weak because it's only 288 gigabytes per second. Yeah, and but it's got 32 megs of L2 cache. Yeah. And its mm-hmm. effective bandwidth is 584 megabytes. I ignore second. AMD's gigabytes. effective bandwidth too. So, yeah. Fair. Anyway, you don't, the, you don't. Uh, you, YouTube chat asks to make it a Patreon exclusive. We might no, I'll put it on. That. I'll put it on Patreon. I should have first. Here's what I should do I should uh, do what other content creators uh, that I follow have mentioned, which is if they're on the fence about a video, they send it to Patreon. And then they say, hey, what do you guys think? The problem was it needed to be timely. I wanted to have it out with the launch. And I was actually working on it late at night, the night before, even though I had to get up early and take my son to school. And all I could manage staying up till one or two in the morning was to get a quick written review up and saved so I could publish it in a parking lot on my phone on my way home from dropping my son off at school. At you still do reviews on your phone? I had no choice because I was out of time. Okay. So then uh, I wrote like my last couple lines on my phone and hit publish at 9.01 a.m. I got home and I quickly recorded the voiceover, cut down the voiceover, it kept on deleting stuff, deleting stuff. Like, I want to make this video short. People aren't going to watch some nine-minute video about this graphics card. How about five? And then I cut it all the way down to three. And at the end, I was just like, hey. So tell us what you think of this product. Uh, tell me, you know, is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Because <laughs> I just tried to make it like kind of tongue in cheek. And it was just like, here's what it is. And also I didn't do enough testing because I decided before the review to spin up a new test bed. I had this bright Ooh. idea that, and actually this is all because I was initially briefed on the AMD card. And I thought we were just doing the 7600 this week. Mm-hmm. And then I think a couple days later, I got the email from NVIDIA saying, hey, uh, something about this card. I'm pretty sure that was the timing. I think I heard about AMD in advance of NVIDIA. So my plan went into action to set up a new mid-range, what I called mid-range test bed, where it's not the 13900KS and 7200DDR5 and all this other stuff. I said, hey, I'll just put together 
Core i5-13600K on a DDR4 Intel motherboard and make a system mm-hmm. that you could actually afford to buy that makes a lot more sense for a low-end card. Cards under $400 will go on this test bed. 500 and up will go on the big test bed. And so I had to do all this new testing. And the new testing uh, took a long time because I was testing seven cards uh, as fast as I could on a brand new test bed. And I had uh, four days. Plus there's a bunch of other stuff going on. And I have to, I'm making excuses. I mean, today, for example, I spent uh, the better part of my day chaperoning a school field trip for my son's first mm. grade class. Mm-hmm. So Those stuff like fun. that always takes fun. hours and hours of time. So the review you signed up with your I wanted it to be. You signed up with your moniker Seb's Two Cents. Yeah, exactly. So the review, as I published it, only had six benchmark result charts mm-hmm. plus a power draw chart. And I thought it was pretty – I mean, what else do you want to see? It's 8% faster than the 3060 Ti. And it's the same price and has the same amount of VRAM. And it actually has a lot less memory bandwidth, which means in certain applications, it's actually slower than the 3060 Ti if they're very, like, memory bandwidth dependent. So if you didn't know about this product, it's a $400 GPU in 2023, which is absolutely... A GPU I can buy for $400? Well, right, because because no one wants it, right? It's 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 a GPU in 2023 with eight gigabytes of VRAM, and it's not a hundred dollars. So since it is not an ultra budget thing, you'd go find on a Best Buy shelf for ninety nine dollars because you need a display out. It's not acceptable to have eight gigabytes of VRAM anymore, and I've just accepted this. I don't think that you know it's as big of a deal for the games. I have traditionally tested, but it definitely is for some of these newer titles and it's been well-documented and it's out there for you to see that this is just an in- insufficient amount of VRAM. And when you're paying $400, you expect more. And this should have been released with 16 gigabytes of memory, period. What stinks about it though, besides that is you can't really save this by just releasing the 16 gigabyte product later on. It, uh, it doesn't have the bandwidth so your effective bandwidth, not counting the L2 cache effect and all that, is 288 gigabytes per second. That is significantly lower than the 3060 Ti, which was on a 256-bit bus. It's, but it's a very small chip. It kind of feels like a mobile product. Sub 200 millimeter. Yes. That's, that's, and, and to be charging $400 hey. for it is a little... Well, I mean, people are mad for a reason. I mean, we do expect... Everything costs too much. We do expect a little bit better performance from a new generation of cards and that shift of performance downwards from the previous generation. But this is, like you said, it averages, what, 8% faster than the 3060 Ti, and it costs the same. And even though power draw is fantastic... Unless you've got like a 1070, GTX 1070, or, you know, maybe you're one of those people holding on, holding on for dear life, an RX 580, then this would be a more reasonable upgrade for you because it's got the bells and whistles. It's got the AB1 encode. It's got the DLSS3. Um, there, there are simply feature advantages 
to the chip. But if you're just looking at base performance, you know, if, if, if the game that you play most of the time is still graphically challenging, but doesn't, uh, doesn't have DLSS or FS, uh, AA or uh, I can't remember, FSR, um, then you're, you're, you're not, you're not gaming a whole lot. And especially if you've got like a 3060 TI, why, why would you upgrade? I would You probably no, bought it for 500 bucks back in the day. And you're going to replace it with a $400 product that is a few percent faster. And though where DLSS three and, and frame generation really shine, um, are you playing those one or two or three games? I mean, 98% of, of the games out there, I mean, stuff, people still play Red Dead Redemption. And even though they, you know, did put in DLSS and, and FSR, I don't think it's DLSS 3. The um, number of DLSS 3 things are going up, but that's that's not the point. And, and yeah. talking about DLSS plus uh, frame generation is uh, not going to make anybody happy. The old card was 448 gigabytes per second of memory bandwidth. And the new one is 288. The The raw hardware is what people care about with this launch. So, I mean, that's, this is the replacement for the 3060 Ti. It's the 4060 Ti. And it's a weaker card. And, and okay, the die ways. size. The die size on that 3060 Ti was double that. Mm-hmm. And yes. you're still paying the same MSRP. Is this a mobile part at this size and this power consumption? Is this more in well, line yeah, with because it's a by mobile eight. part? Yeah. yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. I forgot about that. It's, yep. It is. It's a mobile card. Well, not the yeah, the eight nanometer Samsung was not a great process. No, I mean it. It did fine, but it was not great. And so TSMC 4N uh, is is actually pretty stinking good. Sadly, it's it is it. The reality is, it is very expensive to produce these chips, but. It's, it's really they're being really hard on on their core consumer and we'll get into this later with Nvidia's uh, quarterly statement and where mm-hmm. they're aiming but I really I really wonder if I, I mean are they looking really at their core customers anymore I don't know uh, these prices I mean a uh, an RTX 4080 is still 1200 bucks. And it's a 420 millimeter square part compared to the 600 and some on millimeters of a RTX 3080 that was sold for, well, MSRP is 699. Usually you can finally get it again for that. You're in a very, very, very tiny percentage of the elite, Josh, in even knowing (laughs) the die size of anything. In relation to anything else, True. I don't think anybody going into a micro center and shopping in the graphics card case has any idea what the die size of a particular GPU is, unless they're watching podcasts like this every week. Well, hmm. damn it, they should. Yeah, should but do they care? Why would I research. care? Even if I know, like, oh, I don't know if I can pay that much because the die size on this one is bigger, so that's harder this to is, produce and it's expensive. It's cheap, more expensive, yeah, it's cheaper to produce this one. <sighs> Hmm. Okay, smaller die size, more chips per wafer. Right. Wafer has a fixed cost. Right. So you're going to, you know, each die, each good die. Yeah. About the cost of the wafer. Anyway, here's TechSpot's review. And uh, the reason I pulled this up is because 
Screenshots of hardware and box reviews are always what everybody uses as the reference for performance for every card, it seems. Here we have uh, Fortnite tested at 1080p epic quality, and the 4060 Ti uh, manages a few frames more than the 3060 Ti, 130 versus 123. Very little impact there. Moving up to 1440, the 3060 is slightly faster. I mean, it's margin of error. We're talking 90 to 89, but effectively they're tied. Anyway, uh, forget about Fortnite, uh, Resident Evil 4, uh, the 4060 Ti manages to eke out a small victory over the 3070, actually. But it's <sighs> it depends on the game, and it's it's either going to be yeah. trading blows with the 3070 or just a little bit faster than the 3060, or maybe even slower yeah. if you start pushing Oh, and then the they went 1440. Yeah, here we go. Plague's Tale, idea. Plague Tale Requiem. Maybe a little bit more memory bandwidth dependent. 4060 Ti and the 3060 Ti are effectively tied. It's margin of error there. Look at that 6700 XT. Yep. Still hanging on there. Yeah, the 6700 XT was less. a standout in my testing. Yes. As well. Yeah. F122. 4060 Ti was slightly faster than the 3070. Yeah, because again, they're going back to 1080p. And then at 1440. Uh, actually, that one kind of held on. But that one's more DXR. It's a DX12 Ultimate game. Yeah. Cyberpunk. Now, here is about the only excuse for it is when you involve ray tracing. It does actually ray trace a bit better than its uh, young, its older brother. Sure. Not by a huge amount. Yeah. But if that's what you're addicted to is, you know, ray trace gaming at 1080p and you're two or three generations behind, then maybe, maybe. But if you're one generation, like, no, this is not an upgrade to the 3060. The little bit of DLSS uh, testing I did in the Ray Trace title was Cyberpunk 1440 Ray Traced Ultra Preset. This was the one time I could double the effective perceived performance of a, of a 3060 Ti. With DLSS set to the quality setting, the 4060 Ti without frame generation was a little faster. It went from 44 frames per second to 52 but then when I turned on frame generation, of course, now I'm up to 89 and a half frames per second. So I'm literally doubling the performance, the perceived performance. Do, do you have any latency issues when, you know, with moving and stuff, when you enable frame generation? Do you notice that? Is it? No, not when or... I'm running a canned benchmark, Josh. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So enough about the 4060 Ti. There was another graphics card release just 24 hours later. And it was the Radeon RX 7600, not XT. I suspect the XT will be a 16 gigabyte card. So, and who knows, maybe this was the XT originally. And then because eight gigabytes of VRAM has become the hottest topic in the history of computer hardware, it's just not a good look to release an eight gigabyte. Well, at least right AMD now. cut 30 bucks off the price. They of did it. right before launch. Uh, we were notified that the price was moving to two sixty nine ninety nine. We'd previously been told sweet. It's not a big drop, but that's ten percent off the price before it even At launches. At this price point, thirty bucks is big. And you know what? This this could be the eight gigabyte card to get. I'm just going to go out there on a limb and say that <laughs> yeah. buy an eight gigabyte card. Well, that's because you're an AMD fanboy now. Well, yeah. why not? Nobody, no one way, knows where you live. It's fine. If you're watching, I mean, I'll back you up on that too, Sebastian. Yeah. I was much more impressed by this okay. one. If still disappointed, about, but much more impressed. I'm not talking about last gen. If you're talking about last gen, 
get a card like this. I'm holding in my hands. This is an XFX Mark 319 version of the RX 6700 XT. So get yourself a card like this, whether it's a 6700 XT, 6650 XT, um, whatever in this. I, I think you can get cards like this in around the $350 price range. Something yeah. on Amazon Bless. yesterday. So <clears throat> for... They dropped today. Oh, they did. That's nice. Yeah, 320. 320 is, and I think a couple of bucks more will give you a 6750 XT. Nice. Yep. AMD is clearly leaning on their previous generation heavily because look at this table here. This is not me being lazy. This is literally the entire RX 7000 lineup on your screen right now. It's just the RX 7600, and then it jumps all the way to the 7900 XT, and then the XTX. There's nothing in between. You have a $269 card, and then it jumps up to a card that is currently selling for $799. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand this, but except for the fact that they have a lot of product in the 6000 series still in the retail pipeline. Yeah, so but do, have you ever seen a product age as well? as the RX 6000 series, because in between the 6700, 6800, 6800 XT, 6900 XT, whatever, they all seem to have improved in performance quite a bit. And all of them from the 6700 up are more than eight gigs. I mean, it just, oh. it has worked out for AMD that they ordered all those extra parts during the crypto time because yeah, they can, they can still sell them and they're still competitive in terms of, you know, overall power consumption is a little bit higher than the 4,000 series, but mm -hmm. they've got, they've got the features covered and memory density definitely covered. Good question from the chat. They didn't fold down PCIe 4.0 by 8 on this, did they? They go full 16? No. None of the cards nope. released nope. full this 16 week are sorry. by 16. They're both by 8. Oh, by eight. oh more by 8. Oh. Because, oh. you know, like I was saying before we started the show, these kind of feel like uh, mobile parts to me. Hmm. Tiny, tiny. Well, what's interesting about the, uh, this one is it's not chiplet. It is one single monolithic dime. yeah and that's another thing about indication this. but no amd's got a long history of when they put out a new generation they release the low-end card or the mobile card first or in this case i mean they combine them into one but they didn't launch it first we got the high end but they like to spread out the release and i mean i'm sure a bit of that is just sort of price sniping to try and figure out what can we charge for this thing we thought we we're going to be able to charge this but Damn you, NVIDIA. Damn you all to hell. And in hell do. So now they sort of space it out. But it is weird having this giant GPU sandwich with nothing in the middle. You've got the very top. you got the very bottom. But the, the meat where most people are going to be buying is still not there. And we're hearing very little about it, too, which is a little annoying. So at least they didn't go with just the low end for the launch. Oh, yeah. The high-end stuff being out there, certainly. I mean, now, especially now that the XT is eight hundred dollars. But yeah, speaking of the XT and this card, I'll scroll down a little bit so you can see the three cards in the current gen lineup. The seventy-six hundred is based on RDNA three. It's not a rebranded mm -hmm. RDNA two part. 
It has 32 CUs. That means 2048 stream processors. Game clock is pretty high. Game and boost clocks is 2.25 gigahertz game and 2.625 uh, gigahertz boost. Eight gigs of memory in 2023. I know. Don't mention the bandwidth. <laughs> And it's the same speed as the 4060 Ti. It's 18 gigabit effective memory throughput, uh, 128-bit memory interface, 288 gigabytes per second of bandwidth. That's the same as the 4060 Ti, before factoring in Infinity Cache. Now, their Infinity Cache on this is 32 megs, which is the same as the large 32 meg L2 cache on the 4060 Ti. So Mm -hmm. in, in a lot of ways, this is a very similar product to that 4060 Ti, at least on paper, and it's a well, don't compare it to it because they'll get upset. But it's six nanometer part, so yeah. it's two hundred four millimeter square on a slightly actually six nanometer is their uh, kind of uh, cost optimized, not as high speed yeah. uh, as like you know five nanometers. The new and TSMC four N is a modified five nanometer, but again, this is all marketing speak. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they uh, Sapphire sent over the Pulse card, and it's a Pulse card, which means it's got kind of an understated look, no RGB, quiet. It's not cooler. smaller? This looks, I mean, I I, I always have to send them back. So hey, it's got pass-through. I couldn't grab another one to compare it to. I had okay. 6500 XT is my most recent one I got. To I mean, it looks tiny. It's, it's pretty small. It's about the same size as the NVIDIA card. <clears throat> And again, it's like the size of all uh, many of the old uh, RX 580s, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. Good complement of display outputs. You've got uh, three display ports and HDMI. It's a single power connector on this one. So it's and not 12 PVR. No, no 12 <laughs> volt high power on this one. And then if you want to know what performance is like, it is faster than a 6600 XT. It is not as fast as a 6700 XT. I don't have a 6650 or a 6700 non-XT on hand to compare it to. It stomps them by 8 to 30%, depending on the game. This is a little bit slower than a 3060 Ti, but it's $269. And actually, hey, look at this. In Far Cry 6, this is a a better example of a a more AMD-optimized title, and it is faster than 3060 Ti in this game by about a frame and a half per second. So you're getting closer to 3070 levels of performance in this card Dep- you know, depending on the game. Here we are in Cyberpunk, and it kind of goes right back to that, just behind the 3060 Ti range. But anyway, uh, power draw with this card is higher than advertised. It's kind of the trend with RDNA 3. I don't know how they exactly arrive at 165 watts, because this thing averages a lot higher than that, and it was frequently over 180 watts during testing. So it's just not, it's not a well, super you throw efficient... throw a bunch of the spikes until you hit an average of 165 watts, and I guess. then you go with it. I mean, if you factor in idle power, then certainly. Well, Sapphire could be throwing some extra sauce in yeah, there. Yeah, I, I have to, power have to produce the numbers for the, the stock one, because I don't know if you can see it behind me. But I have the rare um, AMD-made 7600. Oh, oh look at that. Nice box. Nice. Which you know, it's another one of those things <clears throat> Thank where you. Ed is really nice to us, and he's going to send us stuff and let us borrow it to do our reviews. And Thanks, Ed. He reached out. Ed, you're a good man. He reached out before good AMD man. did. And I said, yes, put me on your list. So I took care of him and his review for day one. Ed's list? But I have to uh, 
send back the card. So at least I will be left with one. It'll be the AMD made one. So when I retest that one, it'll be like 1080 Ultra, 1440 High, and actually get a feel for what the card can really do, and then start comparing it against the, the rest of the stuff. So... What else is there to say? It's the RX seventy six hundred. It's two hundred sixty. It's two hundred sixty nine bucks. It's is modern. The eight gigabyte cards of the year. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I mean, it would it would be a nice upgrade from like a sixteen sixty GTX. Yes. GTX yep. sixteen sixty. Or say you're one of those desperate people who bought a sixty five hundred XT when during mining when you could you would notice oh yeah it's you would be notice a big upgrade for those people. It's and just a you know just a short time ago a, a vanilla 6600 was kind of in this price range and then like the 6600 <laughs> XTs were selling for around this now you can get 6700 XT for around 320 and I would absolutely do that if if you can afford the 50 or 60 dollar difference buy a 6700 XT or you know whatever is available in that uh, price range but or you can go with the next story, our mandatory Intel GPU coverage. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that's right. Yeah, earlier today, the big news was that the ARC A750 had hit 199. But that was temporary, apparently, because this, this was at Newegg, I thought. And this is sold and shipped by Newegg, and it's 229 dollars so. it, it was at Newegg earlier today. And when I checked in on it, you know, I was still hoping it would yeah. be 199 but no. Somebody in YouTube said the mediocrity GPU Olympics. You've got it. <laughs> yeah, there's there's the podcast title. Hooray! You know the the you know of all of the video cards that usually I have reviewed, the budget ones were probably the most interesting because you could find really interesting corner cases where they would either fall down or they would you know they would overproduce. In results and um you know most people especially people who are enthusiasts and uh, play a lot of games it's you know typically 15 year olds through 30 and a good portion of them just simply can't afford a 600 to a thousand dollar graphics card so they save up their money in between everything else and you know they they stretch to get to 250 and it's it's something that is so sorely needed in uh, this market. I mean, if, if NVIDIA and AMD really want to get PC graphics and gaming to where it is, where it needs to be, they've, they've, got, to, they've got to reach down to these people because they, they drive. I mean, if you look at any of these uh, esports people, there's not 50-year-old guys like me sitting on there it's it's all the young pups and it has been an area that has been extremely neglected over the past four years i think and i mean we have some options and i mean this is one reason why the rx 580 was as popular as it was because it was inexpensive it was an eight gig card and it could play most stuff at 1080p and you know people could afford it so Get with it, people. That's yeah. that's my soapbox. Or go to BestBuy.com, which I put up on the screen a minute ago. It's still $199 for the A750 at Best Buy, and that's with free shipping. That's, so. that's still a really good card. 
mm-hmm. and it's getting better with every driver release. But Josh, there's still things that it falls down on. Yeah, like <laughs> definitely eight gigabytes of down. VRAM oh, and current. Yeah. You've got the you have the codec that you talked about earlier, the AV1. Mm-hmm. 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 It's going to be some reasonable. Well, you know they say it's going to be reasonable ray tracing. Yeah, maybe. Mm. XESS. XESS. Excess. For uh, your scaling needs. Mm -hmm. Let's pause here for a word from this week's podcast sponsor. A quick frozen pizza can be okay in a pinch, but I actually like to cook a meal every now and then. I've had recipes in hand while walking around the grocery store trying to find all the ingredients. Hey, I'm better with a search engine, okay? How about no more scouring the grocery store for that one ingredient to complete a recipe? HelloFresh takes away that hassle by delivering fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients so you have exactly what you need and helps you cut down on food waste. We were pleasantly impressed with our entire package from HelloFresh. Just recently, we made our first meal. Delicious, creamy tomato soup with sausage in about 20 minutes. All the ingredients were clearly proportioned for two or four people, well-marked, and the recipe card was informative and super easy to follow. The finished soup was fantastic and well-accompanied by their oven-baked cheesy baguettes as a side. Again, supplied as uncooked ingredients, just like everything else. The meal options at HelloFresh will make dinner time deliciously easy. I bet you can even please your picky eaters. Choose from the different meal plans like fit and wholesome, pescatarian, or even veggie. For the busy among us, they have a quick and easy, and they're all round crowd pleaser with a family-friendly plan. I'm telling you, they'll have a meal plan that suits your lifestyle. Plus, you can swap out proteins and sides to your liking. Go to HelloFresh.com slash PCPer16 and use code PCPer16 for 16 free meals and free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash PCPer16 with code PCPer16. 16 for 16 free meals and free shipping. Try HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right. Well, hey, we've talked a lot about these graphics cards NVIDIA and AMD released this week and the excitement of uh, mediocrity in Hmm. our Mm -hmm. hobby. Uh, So how about talking about how much money NVIDIA is making, Josh? Gosh, do I have to? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so... <clears throat> There's this thing called AI. And when ChatGPT was released and people got really excited about it, people like Microsoft ordered up thousands and thousands of extremely expensive NVIDIA cards. Uh, what, H100? Is that what the latest one is? I can't remember all of the, the code. Yeah names it's a big chunk of change for each one and they're yeah and they're printing money so anyway uh if you remember q4 fiscal year 23 which of course nvidia has a really kind of messed up reporting schedule due to when they did an ipo and then decisions they did with accounting way back in the late 90s uh so it's always it's it's always off but it was the previous quarter so it would be Q1 for most normal people, but NVIDIA calls that Q4 fiscal year 2023. They made $6 billion. Their data center was at $3.6 billion. Their gaming was at $1.31 billion. Professional visualization, auto, everything, you know, it all adds up to $6 billion per quarter. Well, this quarter which most people would call Q2 2023, but they call Q1 2024. They made 
7.92 billion. Well, 7.192 billion, if you want to be exact. Their data center jumped up 600 plus million dollars, and their gaming jumped up 400 million dollars. So NVIDIA's done well with, even though they've received a lot of negative press about their pricing and performance because an RTX 4080 is still $1,200 card, which previous generation would be $699, but we don't need to go there. Uh, Apparently, people are still buying their cards, and what's more, yeah, their data center is now nearly double the income of gaming, which... It's kind of scary. Uh, Their margins are 65% and climbing. So they're doing well as a company. And the bombshell that they dropped is they expect revenue to climb from 7.2 billion this quarter to an easy 11 billion next, which just kind of shows you how many DG servers they're probably shipping with Grace and the M100. That's what it is. Uh, yeah, their their data center is just going to explode. And they're the only ones, I mean, you know, AMD's, you know, probably going to see some boost there, especially if they ever announce their MI300 series. Um, but software... CUDA, how close NVIDIA is with the AI programs that are out there. It's just, they're printing money and it's going to be kind of crazy. They're just separating themselves from the crowd. Good on you, NVIDIA, but I hope that you, I, I really do hope that they remember where they came from and they throw the people us who have, you know, yeah, throw, throw, throw us a bone, man. I don't know that they're going to throw us a bone, Josh. Like, I don't know. They can make so much more money off of these new areas, and the the people that want to make money off of NVIDIA are making so much money off of these new areas. that Yeah. But in just, you know, after they announced that, it, it, their share price went up. Something I, the, insane, like twenty. Yeah, better part of twenty five percent. Yeah, yeah. It's at currently after hours trading has it up twenty four point six three percent. That's up seventy five point twenty two. That's absurd. Oof. That's that. Well, you know what it that's is. Not current after hours. Yes. Yeah, but you know what it is. A bunch of the the stockbrokers are using Nvidia uh, products to predict uh, stock futures. And so they've all now just sort of popped on a chat GPI and they, they just, uh, or chat GPT and they boot artificially boosted their price because now they're secret <laughs> stockholders. And look at their low for the past year. <laughs> yeah. 108 bucks. And now they're up around 400. It's, yeah. it's insane. It makes yeah. no sense. It must be good to be Jensen Wong. He it's can afford more spatulas. 
We can. He could put large servers in his oven for fun. <laughs> exactly. And he's what do you done cook on? On a Tesla. stream before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, off this topic to Microsoft Surface Pro X. Or do they call it 10? Is it like Apple where you have to call X? I, I don't know. I've never bought a Roman. Surface in my life. so Yeah. Well, you need to. Come on, you work it's a in, surface in IT. You need to familiarize yourself with the world's best hardware to run Windows. Um, yeah, that's why I didn't buy a Surface. Oh. Actually, oh, that's ouch. a shot at arm, and I shouldn't take a shot at arm. Wow. Okay. So what's going on with these cameras? Why is this a certificate issue? Is it, are these secure cameras? Is this face uh, ID? That's the best part about it, is why is there a certificate involved in this at all? <laughs> So yeah, uh, the earlier this week, uh, all of a sudden, anyone who had a Surface Pro X, it just the camera stopped working. Straight out, just, nope, it, it doesn't work anymore. And so a bunch of people, of course, uh, I don't know, apparently when you're a uh, Surface owner, you like to dig around in your hardware, because I mean, you're probably not using it for production and they lo and behold found out that if you turned this the system date back to the 22nd all of a sudden the camera worked again and you didn't get the media capture failed event so they haven't found the certificate they don't know why a certificate is involved in this but they definitely know that if you turn your system time back it suddenly starts to work and totally doesn't breach HTTPS or a bunch of the other authentication methods that you use that kind of depend on you to uh, be on the right date. You can imagine as an assembler of discrete components that they're buying sort of off the shelf as they go with like, oh, we want a camera, we need a keyboard, we need a screen. You can imagine that uh, the way that they put these things together might have protocols that rely upon certain ways of speaking to each other that aren't proprietary, that may use standard socket layers or, or even HTTP, if you can imagine that. And you could see, even even if it wasn't like an HTTP-based protocol, it was just sort of a, uh, a TCP IP socket sort of based thing across. Oh, even them, yeah. Uh, even, when did so, you receive this but, packet? But they still want that <laughs> cryptographically signed, even internally to the system, because they're both, uh, as a receiver and a sender, prescribing to a published API. So you yeah. can kind of imagine your way to, oh, yeah, so this, the manufacturer of the camera supplied a certificate with the device that says, here's how you know that you're talking to our legitimate camera hardware. And, and their GoDaddy expired on the 22nd. Right? Those all come with an expiration date, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, if anyone tries to sell you an eternal cert, just, yeah, don't buy it. No. On a brighter note, Microsoft is going to allow Internet Explorer 11 to haunt Windows some more. Because, you know, organizations, they, they like to use their IE internally for their intranets and stuff. So, Or is this... Yeah, be amazed how many accounting and timesheet programs still I, require Internet Explorer. I would not be Josh. I would not be surprised at all. The, the fight to get rid of them off of IE9 was hard enough. If I tell them, though, that, oh, Edge is just Chrome. It just looks different. You get a little more traction, but it, it's still spinning bald tires on a mud patch. Well, some of what they're hanging on to are the underlying component models so that certain programs can instantiate, yeah, can instantiate them still so that they're carrying that along. 
and they're leaving it up to organizations on whether or not that they retire the the visual references to IE11, meaning the desktop icons or finding them in the applications folders or anything like that and burying them or turning Isn't them off. It's the last thing. one that runs Silverlight. Yeah. Uh, no, you, that's you might 10, be right. I think. I think oh, 10. Gosh. I don't think 11 did it. Yeah, well. Hmm. Let's pause here for our second podcast sponsor. As a software engineer, it's not always straightforward to find just the right place to practice your craft. People like us can often find it difficult to settle into just the right role for our careers. Well, consider Bloomberg. They're out there working to build a top-notch information network for financial professionals, and they're looking for engineers to join their team. Personally, I know that I've always wanted to work on challenging projects that had real impact on actual shipping products and services, but sometimes that has just not worked out. While I've not yet worked for Bloomberg, they're forward-looking and are building tools their clients will come to rely on for systems that matter in solving real-world complex problems across global capital markets. They're working in real-time market and enterprise data with sophisticated analytics that are touched by over 350,000 financial professionals. Bloomberg systems operate at tremendous scale with over 300 billion, yes, B is in billion, market messages daily. So many of you will already be up to speed on the majority of Bloomberg software, as it's built in C++, JavaScript, and Python. So you're obviously not going to get locked into a proprietary shop, as Bloomberg's engineers are active members of the open source community in both leveraging and making commits back to many projects. Learn more about the opportunities that await you by visiting Bloomberg.com careers. That's Bloomberg.com careers. We're back, and we're going to talk about uh, sudden death. We're not talking about uh, playoff at the U.S. Open or something. Actually, they play an 18-hole playoff. What am I talking about? Or, or hockey. You we're not talking hockey. about hockey. Okay. Not, it's not talking about hockey. Okay. It's the SanDisk Extreme. How extreme is it, Jeremy? It's so extreme, it causes catastrophic data loss after sustained rights because it is just that extreme. Nice. Yes. I mean, you really want to know that your drive is so extreme it can write itself to death. Uh, well, it's not that it actually kills the drive; it just destroys the, uh, you know, the the entire uh, the internal file system. Yes, yes. I was going to say fat, but we've moved on from fat a long time ago. Yeah. It's just an old old memory. Uh, so yeah, it just completely destroys the file system. Some people have got access to fairly decent and ridiculously expensive data recovery tools and been able to get some back. But for the most majority of people, this portable drive, uh, the four terabyte and the two terabyte, just boom, that's it. Everything's gone. There's also been some reports that the pro variant, uh, the four terabyte one have also been having an issue, but, uh, that's sort of been hit or miss, but the extremes, specifically the extreme V2, or extreme, yeah, the extreme V2 has just been, boom, gone. Sandisk has uh, responded to say that they're aware of the problem, and we're going to look at putting up a firmware patch at some point. You're free to call our customer service support team, but we're not really actually going to give you a date on when this firmware is going to arrive, nor is there any sort of idea about if they're going to, you know, honor refunds from people who wanted a portable backup drive and found out that it was just, you know, a little piece of expensive hell. <laughs> Sorry. 
Yeah, this this would be very devastating for people that uh, you know use this as a backup device. If you were just carrying your uh, Linux ISOs from house to house, I mean that wouldn't be so horrible. But uh, you know, it's exactly. this could really hurt a lot of people. And yes, Sandesk is not being exactly proactive about dealing with it. Now, some actual nice. good news from Microsoft on the Windows front. And this has been True. a long time coming, and apparently it's it's real. It's it's really real. RGB control will hit Windows. RGBitis, it's spreading everywhere. Later this Speaking month. Speaking of saving us from fresh hells, Windows 11 could finally be the unifying application for your RGB gear. Uh, it may not yes. take it as far as as uh, you know Corsairs or or whoever's control uh, control software is. Uh, capable of taking the RGB lighting and, and effects. It's at least a unifying moment for doing things like simple effects and unifying color. And, you know, there's awful? been so many, <laughs> there's been so many problems with a, a lot of these driver uh, bits that have come up for, with RGB Ram or graphics cards or whatever that have had keyboards. security issues or keyboards, security problems, conflicts, just playing crashes, uh, you trace uh, wasted CPU cycles to some of these things. Sometimes it's you know again a uh, a brightly lit hell of RGB driver software. You know this is this is one thing that I would welcome in Windows uh, to just say, can I just set this to blue, red, you know whatever, and just let it go, uh, and just have one piece of software because that's kind of all I want to be able to do. So thank you, Microsoft. I don't say that very often. Weird. You're just they, jealous because your operating system doesn't do it. Are they leveraging the power of Open AI RGB, man, for this? Because <laughs> uh, yeah, I you would know, have they, five they different applications on my machine if I were to actually want to control my yeah, RGB, which I don't. Out of control RGB. This is a for real. We talked about this a while ago, but this is uh, for real coming to Windows Advance uh, or early access yeah. uh, users very, very soon. Yeah, and a couple of so other features too. It's imminent. It's imminent. But that's why I love Noctua. Hmm. Ain't a single piece of RGB itis on them yet. That will probably. Although they already started doing them in black. So, exactly. you know, we're on a borderline. They're going to start doing it. But Look, when Be Quiet started doing RGB, you knew that it had taken over the industry. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Windows and features coming to Windows. How about this? WinRAR, native RAR support, if that's how you pronounce it, R-A-R. <laughs> yeah, RAR. I, just, I always said RAR. You always stop stealing WinRAR because you don't have to anymore because it's going to be built into Windows. And 7Z. I'm still going to use 7Zip. So am I. I don't care. I think TAR is actually coming uh, as native support yes. as well, which is just crazy. Well, it does crappy TAR already, mm. but... Yeah, I wouldn't trust it. <laughs> anyway, another example of embrace and extend. No more third-party full-featured software. Yeah. We're going to pull that inside, and you'll be safe. And oh, it'll be living open on source? the cloud, All right, we'll and you'll pay a subscription right for it. <laughs> I, think, I think what I heard was, oh, that open source was a good idea, or whatever you're doing over there. Well, we'll turn that into something proprietary and then extend it. Thank you. Yeah. It's time for Security Corner. 
And our first story is about Cisco, who is warned of critical switch bugs with public exploit code. Another nasty one. Jeremy, I know you had originally linked this. Um, go ahead, unless you want me to talk about it. Oh, go for it. Because, I mean, all I remember of it is that uh, there's a horrible public exploit code and we don't feel like patching it. So, yeah, that's kind of the short, the short uh, hairs of this one. All four of these security flaws that have been noted in this particular article reach almost a 10. I'm not sure why they're at a, not quite at a 10, but they have a maximum uh, security uh, issue, uh, exploit associated with them. Unauthenticated attackers allowed to execute arbitrary code with root privileges on compromised devices. And you know what? You might feel bad about, for the number of people who have these in their homes. Eh, 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 eh. These are all business users. This is the 200, 300, and 500 series small business switches that are could potentially still be in use, but because, oh, I'm sorry, those are all end-of-life products. Just buy a new Cisco device. You know, screw you. We're not going to patch those. And oh, that's essentially affordable. Cisco's position. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, maybe everybody doesn't understand this, but Cisco is premiumly priced. Whether or not they are always premium performance, I don't really care. They're usually pretty good, but the point is, the best thing is once you've introduced Cisco into your network, you can't substitute anything else. You now have to go Cisco. Russian military hackers can pwn your Cisco 200, 300 and 500 series device for goodness sakes. Get the hell off of those switches. Do something. Spend more money with Cisco. They would like that. Don't go to Asus though. Mm. Okay. Because you don't run into the other problem. Now, this next story I can scarcely believe. Google allowing a legitimate app in their Play Store to send microphone recordings every 15 minutes. The malicious iRecorder app has come to light, but its purpose remains shrouded. You know, Google removes these when people notify them. Yeah, well, it started in September 2021, so... uh, Well, that's when the legitimate... That was a legitimate application when That's the twist in this is it was legitimate for many a year. And then all of a sudden, it Got changed. Got a rat. Got a rat. It did indeed get a rat. For rat those that aren't following, that is a remote access Trojan. Yeah. So it was an app that did have a vulnerability, much like Cisco routers we were talking about earlier. But uh, yeah, about what about a year after it came out, uh, someone managed to get a hold of it, uh, put a Trojan in it, and no one noticed until uh someone in a recording and in a lab was noticing that it was doing some very strange things and decided to actually do a full or he reported it to someone else and they did the analysis and like oh yeah this is not just recording the microphone but uh it actually manages to do data exfiltration as well and it sat on there for quite a while until we found out about it, like, what, yesterday? Yeah. I mean, there are many tens of thousands of downloads of this one. What what I don't understand is is actually buried in this article, and I'm going to paraphrase here based on my, my recollection of it, is that there are a, lot, a fair number of third-party uh, anal- uh, analyzers that find these apps and notify Google, and Google eventually gets around to removing them from the Play Store. What is the purpose, especially considering that 
the rat that's actually embedded in this particular application was a kind of a known construct. The whoever's doing this particular um, exfiltration of audio data used a segment of um, a known hacking library. I guess I'll just paraphrase and say that that, and then embedded it into this uh, iRecorder application and put that back in the Play Store. Why doesn't Google's intake and analysis system that they have talked about that, oh, we analyze everything that gets put on the Play Store. Why aren't they finding these things? What what purpose does that even serve? Well, who are they protecting anyone from when a, a known uh, vulnerability, a, an old one, sneaks into the Play Store and they wait for third-party analyzers to get back to them? I, I don't Well, I mean, you know, would it cost more than $0? For them to hunt that down and then remove it from a Play Store. Oh, I see your point. It's gaming quick hits. Destiny and Halo creator Bungie is reviving the Marathon franchise. What is Marathon? Apparently, it's one Marathon. Of the that was you don't remember that was the Marathon? original no. was one of the first first person shooters on Apple. I think uh, it was yes. only on Apple. What? You are correct. It was originally it came was out on Apple. I remember this. Yep. Well, I mean, Bungie along was Halo. Apple only until yes, Microsoft and- bought Bungie. Yep. Halo well, you know what? That's originally true came out on Apple. Halo was uh, developed on like PowerPC Max, wasn't it? Yeah, that it was the first uh, was <clears throat> Mac. demo was, you know, that had all the music and all that. That was run on, was run on a Mac. Okay. I licensed my Mac PC only. copy of Halo using my Mac disk key. Of course. Uh, anyway, uh, Marathon came out with a uh, was a first person shooter franchise, as Josh was talking about, that instituted a number of things that we really take for granted with first person shooters today. <laughs> things like mouse look, mouse look. Yes, absolutely. Mouse look was one of those things where you could kind of move in one direction and kind of look around, you know, with with the mouse in different directions and or move your entire view from one place to another. They were the first person. And I mean, that's like table stakes now with all FPSs and this marathon game system from Bungie was uh, the first. So they're reviving this with, um, I guess it's going to be nothing like previous versions of marathon at all. Uh, It's more like a, uh, it's an, it's a, it's not so much of a strategy game. It's like a, a retrieval sort of game and done in a PVP first, first person uh, with supposedly a lot of story and tenseness and, you know, more excitement and it's going to be a persistent world and a what quote unquote narratively rich. I don't know to take them at their face value or whether or not Sony is just pressuring them to dredge up a successful franchise from the past and do something different with it, which is kind of the direction it seems like it might be going. I'll hold my breath on this one and, not enthusiastically endorse it quite yet. Although I was quite fond of the original marathon, which is kind of today's icon in the background. Next, it's a story about uh, D and D wizards of the coast no. hikes the price so, on D and D months after story about game. wizards of the coast being under monetized themselves. Yeah. And we don't always have to talk about uh, video games, sometimes tabletop gaming, because I think a lot of the same people are interested in sort of the uh, same things. Are we going to have to pay them money now that we've mentioned tabletop gaming? Because uh, <laughs> they are getting to that point where it's like, no, if even if you involve, inv- a, invent your own scenario, they, they kind of want to cut out of it. 
are, they are took you that out. backtrack on that or is that they, just they, delayed? They backtracked. They backtracked okay. on that. They, are you they saying they, Gary Gygax is rolling dice in his grave? He I, would, I would definitely be. And it's all natural ones. I was just going to say something. every single one is a natural one. <laughs> well, that's funny. It's funny. He's and rolling. So is uh, yeah, he's rolling. And so is Derek. Uh, I cannot remember his last name. It was Gary Gygax and Derek. Uh, I don't remember uh, Derek's, Wolf? Derek's last name. Hmm. Wolf. But yeah, it was the two of them together that hmm. uh, started that. Hey, what if we take wargaming and make it into role playing? Wouldn't it be cool to be so a anyway. Hero? The, the, the story here is all the, the physical source books that, uh, unfortunately, with the upcoming rule changes, a lot of people are going to have to buy or rebuy, are going upwards in price, like so many things. 20%. So it looks like each book is going to roughly hit that $60 oh, price. Uh, I know. I know. But the virt- luckily, the virtual books are going to remain the same. I think a lot of people have suspected and have looked at behind what is the reasoning for some of what WOTC is doing is they're trying to steer greed. people towards, well, there's the greed, but virtual tabletop, I, they think is kind of the future because they can monetize it so much uh, more easily, in, in my opinion. Again, so that comes back to, I suppose, greed, what you just so said. So they're going to start eventually selling hats. <laughs> oh, you D&D actually want your virtual character to be wearing the armor that you found. Right. D&D, and it was still amazingly uh, successful property at uh, $200 million a year, uh, I guess just last year in revenue alone, just by itself separated. So there yeah, but there's are- there's only like 20 st- people. That, that's not, <laughs> not exactly true. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but- Unfortunately, it's going to cost quite a lot more to continue to buy these source books. And is it greed? Is it the steering people more towards virtual tabletop? All we know is it's WOTC. Gotcha. Next, hall sensors offer drop-in replacement for drifting game console joysticks. Yeah. This could be good. So instead of having to upgrade to a brand new, like, hall joystick, these guys have actually figured out, uh, and it's not 100%, but, like, definitely for PS4, that you can rip out the potentiometers and drop in this fancy little uh, hall effects kit. This makes so much sense. You go. So much sense. This sounds great. You're going to have to pay for the parts. You're going to have to assemble it yourself, but it's just magnetics for the most part. It's not horrifically difficult to do. I saw that and I'm like, yeah, that's just brilliant. Because I went from my old Logitech Signwinder to the the newer one with the Hall Effect, and I love it. I mean, I'm still pissed at uh, MechWarrior not really handling Hotas at all, but as for the joystick, I've got no complaints. It's so much nicer. So yeah, being able to do that and to be able to do it on like a PS4 controller or, you know, theoretically a lot of controllers are not that dissimilar. Being able to drop an all effect on that, it just seems kind of nice. And you won't be able to, you know, you just sort of hold up your controller and like, ah. I'm not doing anything, but my character is sort of wandering off that way. I don't know why. Well, that's why. It's almost like it wasn't obvious to the engineers, as they mentioned in the uh, article, that when stuff actually physically rubs against each other, that it wears out eventually. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. What a shock. Hmm. And, when and you know what's really annoying? Yeah. <laughs> is, is in order to fix that, you take it apart, but you've got to relube it again. 
And for that, okay. you generally want to buy some grease. And well, you, you go to the automotive store and the automotive grease is this freaking big. And all you need is this tiny little dab to fix everything. So yeah, go hollow effect. It's, it makes more sense. Nothing touches this magnetics. It's magic. It's magnets, magnets. Mm, magic. How do they work? How do they work? Never Nobody know. knows. No. Nobody knows. Science will never understand nope. the intricacies. We'll never, never understand <laughs> magnetics. Let's move to picks of the week. Josh, please get us started. <clears throat> so, you can now get a 7900 XTX for approximately $920. Bam, So, it's a few dollars off. And not only that, but it's... So, uh, yeah, no, okay, not quite. So $940, essentially. <clears throat> but it's a well-built called card, XFX Merc 310, not the 319. So it's got 300 millimeter fans, 24 gigs of RAM. So if you're <clears throat> in the mood for a higher-end card, this is a nice one to have. And it's, again... It's below a thousand bucks and it's, you know, better than stock. We like downward pricing pressure. Jeremy, your pick. You have to unmute though. He does. Well, yeah, I muted myself so you couldn't hear me do what I was doing. <laughs> but I asked, did you like large NASAs? And you cannot lie. Because if you're Canadian, <laughs> There is an insane deal going on right now uh, for Western Digital Red Pros and relatively decent on pluses uh, at uh, Memory Express. Like, we're talking 50% off or so. So if you want, you know, grab a four, couple of 14 terabyte drives at 400 bucks, which is, you know, the price that less than the price that one of them would have cost you before, this is a really good deal because you really don't want to put it on that Sandus Extreme or uh, on the Extreme, uh, yeah, Sandus Extreme because I mean that backup is just going to fail. So this is not a bad deal, and I'm sure that they're cheaper in America. Oh, this is Canadian pricing. This is Canadian pricing. Okay, as they tend to do. <laughs> yeah, for some strange reason. That's, those are big discounts. We're talking $490 off, $365 off. Yeah, it's it's just over 50% in the big one and around 50% on the others. The pluses aren't quite as good. Uh, I mean, the, the price itself is actually cheaper. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good deal. I'm also trying to show something off that no one has picked up on this entire podcast, which is kind of amusing. Oh, did you get one? No. Oh, the I'm desk. just looking yeah, at how no. clean your your background the is. Desk. Josh has it, and you this painted. It's been repainted. Oh, look at that! And not a single person noticed, you bastards. Oh, I, I did, yeah. but I just haven't said anything yet. <laughs> I noticed that you know on on your right hand side that you don't have patches on the wall that you can see. Uh, no, they are it's all gone. nicely painted, and all your boxes are clean and clear. And oh no, yeah. don't don't think I didn't notice that because who got paid fifty extra dollars to clean the room? Well, I did a better job, and I didn't get shit. That guy, yeah, 
Oh, you did. But no, I, I, the review will be up next week. Someone sent me a you new missed, desk. You missed an opportunity review. You're reviewing the paint that you used. <laughs> no, I got sent a new uh, motorized desk. Oh, can okay. you tell how uh, I'm not moving? But yet uh, I seem to be moving. Hmm. And so there was no way to possibly get the old desk out without at least tearing apart a bit of the room. So we just went whole hog and Chris got kind of annoyed with uh, the shitty look of my room when he's watching the podcast. So good old set deck painter uh, from the movies. Uh, if you're looking for a scenic sprayer or a set deck painter, there's no work in the movies right now. So he's so bored. He painted the room. Nice. That's oh, yeah. nice. Right. Right. The edges. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Brett, your pick. Every once in a while, I like to pull an ant, not necessarily an anti-pick, but more like an anti-technology pick, more of a lifestyle thing. And with vacations for many people fast approaching, especially this Memorial Day weekend, there's still time, I think, probably to order one of these. Are you looking to relax a little bit on your getaway? Put a $20 hammock in your luggage. Take this with you. You'll thank me later. It, normally this thing is like $70, supposedly probably 50 bucks, $20 for a wonderful mesh hammock that weighs like 400 ounces, something ridiculously small like that. And it's a freaking hammock. I don't think I need to go on. How much does it cost to get the things to hang it off of? Yeah. Uh, this actually comes with a, a tree wraps uh, that are safe for the tree okay. with straps with straps and everything. So they have the the side, as you can see in this particular picture, that has the, oh, we don't do that. We do do this, which is one minute easy hang. Got a nice belt buckle and, again, tree straps and stuff that comes with it. Fast, fast hanging, nice straps and stuff. Who doesn't like a hammock? My pick this week is actually Kent's pick, but because he had technical issues and ended up bowing out of the podcast, I am presenting it for him. It is the Sabrent, or Sabrent, it depends on how you pronounce it, 2 terabyte rocket NVMe Gen 4 SSD with extreme performance. Whoa. This is only $119.99. That is... The, uh, it's the first gen of their Gen 4, which... Is maxes out at five gigabytes per second. Oh dear! Instead of the seven something, only five. But still, but yeah, only mm, five. At <laughs> these prices, you could buy two, and then you could actually copy a file over at full speed. Because unless you have multiple Gen Five devices, you're not doing. Yeah, anything they're horrible. I don't anywhere near use that. them at all. Oh okay. I've got one here somewhere. Maybe. No, I think I <laughs> everybody has mind. one. Yeah. Yeah. No, these were a ridiculously good deal when they came out, and it's only getting better. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Rocket Q4 NVMe 4.0. I haven't even opened it. Still in the shiny plastic wrap. Shiny. I agree, Kent. Hell of a deal. Everybody should have one. And I think that'll do it for this week's PC Perspective Podcast. (laughs) We want to thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for watching while you listen. Just catching us live. We do it live on Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern. If you want to stay up with us or get up super early on the other side of the world or whatever it is that you do when you're one of the people who uh, hang out with us while we record this, we thank you. We thank all of you and our patrons. 
and uh, everyone who made this possible. Uh, and I just, I'm, I'm just talking. It's like a thank the academy. Just to hear myself talk.